podcast listener. Even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Hey, yo, welcome back to the TMBA podcast. So happy you got us in your earbuds this week. I know there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world around all of us right now, but every week we're here to focus on that topic of location-independent businesses, which are the key to so much personal freedom, financial stability, location independence, all this stuff. Way back in the day, I remember we used to write lots of blog posts and stuff, and we got a critique that was like, hey, this whole idea of location independence and financial freedom, that's not life's end goal. And I thought to myself, I, I didn't mean to give the impression that this was the end-all, be-all of what we're all doing here. For me, location independence, freedom of movement, financial flexibility and stability that's the baseline we're all seeking. Those are the terms under which we want to live out our lives. And then from there, you know, take it in whatever direction we see fit. And it's not an easy thing to start from that premise. It's an enormous challenge to change your life in that way. And that's why we do this show. We love helping you guys grow your businesses. So let's do it this week. This week's show is again prompted by a listener, we love it when that happens, who dropped a comment in the show notes from a vintage TMBA ep asking about our thoughts on tech tips. Now, that episode was emblematic of our former obsession with the latest and greatest little tips and tools and techniques and software platforms, and that was over 10 years ago. What We're going to jump in and do a reprise and talk about some of what we see is the most fundamental tech tools that we use in our business today. And of course, we'd love to hear your thoughts as well. Before we get into that, I just want to uh, invite you to listen out for a little bit of a mistake, which I will confirm at the end. Let's get rolling. Welcome back to the pod. Today's episode let me click back onto the web archive here, boss man. Back in November 28th, 2009, we did an episode called 10 Great Software and Tech Services We Use to Help Run Our Business. Well, today, we are going to be revisiting a list of 10 such services and uh, see which ones have held up, see which ones have fallen by the wayside. You know, one of the interesting things about this list, I'm terrified for this episode, Ian, is how it's going to age us. We're probably going to have these like old pieces of software. Who knows what we're going to come up with today? You're going to have to listen to find out. One of the advantages of age when it comes to tech, though, is that a lot of the core pieces of software we use to run our company, they have a bit of a Lindy effect to them that, you know, used to make fun of me all the time for our tech tips on the podcast because it's like, oh, Dan just found out about this last week. Well, all the tools we're going to mention here today, we've been using for a long period of time, 
and they've proven their worth and hopefully they can prove their worth for you as well. So without further ado, 10 tech solutions we use to help run our business. And I'm sure we're going to get to more than 10, but the first three boss man are almost like a, a holy trinity that sits at the core of so much we do. So I'm going to bring them up all together. It's uh, number one, Airtable, number two, Zapier, and number three, Slack. And these three pieces of software sit so harmoniously together. And you can essentially, I've noticed that there's a trend in business, Ian, where people are using things like tools like Zapier to connect other tools and then to basically build agile tech solutions that can serve as businesses. So in earlier episodes of the TMBA, we talked about this concept called software with a service or a SWAS company. And the idea is that some of these tools are so powerful and so complicated that the mere fact of just running them for a company can be a business in and of itself. Yeah. And Zapier is one of these tools that I feel like is going to be around for five to 10 years in our business. In fact, all three of these feel like they are. Airtable is the one that we started using the most recently. People talk, Dan, and we're not developers, about like not needing to be a developer or software developer in the future, or there needing to be less of them. And it feels like Zapier is the reason for that in a lot of ways, because it is so powerful. Our team member, Alex, I'm legitimately fearful that he's going to quit his job and go work for Airtable because <laughs> he's a mensch. He's so good at this. And I asked Alex, I said, hey, what would be your biggest recommendation for our listeners if they're wondering how to put Airtable to use for them? My name is Alexander Harling, and I am, the, I guess, the general manager of Dynamite Jobs. Commonly, I recommend it when someone says, I'm looking for a new CRM, or I'm looking for a software that can do this, or a program that can do this. I always say, try Airtable first. Just try it. There's a little consequence to, to switch. I mean, switching to anything is, is scary because you got you to gotta learn it and such. It's super intuitive. So yeah, I say if you have an idea for a product or a program or if you have a need, try to do it with Airtable first. The amazing thing is there's an Airtable community. They're crazy fans. Um, and we're, we're kind of entering that community now as we're, we're becoming uh, super fans. Look up what you're saying. I need an Airtable to, to do XYZ. And most likely there's a template available and you just copy and paste it. So I guess my sales pitch is if you are looking for something new and you don't have the exact software for it, don't try to buy a software or whatnot. Try to use Airtable first and, and see if that will um, do it. We often joke that, you know, Airtable is always the first place we look in the company to solve a problem. Do you remember a story where Airtable, you know, sort of uniquely saved us money or allowed us to do something that other software didn't? The candidate database. So we have a database of about 10,000 resumes right now. It's always being updated and, and filtered out as people come in and out of our system. So with the, with the candidate database, what we tried to do there is we wanted to be quickly be able to find candidates, search by keywords, and have complete records on them. And you can have a, a spreadsheet of a candidate, but the problem with the spreadsheet is you can't add in files. And so the Airtable allowed us to have thousands and thousands of rows of, of files and different candidates with their picture of a file, a PNG file, with their resume, a PDF file, which we couldn't find anywhere else. So Airtable we quickly made a database of all these, these people, and it was searchable. We had a VA go through and 
this was your idea, Dan, actually. It was a very simple idea, but it changed everything. Copied the resumes and put them into a text form. So we had two fields side by side. One was the actual PDF of the resume. The other was just the text form of it. So we could search it. And then we were able to filter over 10,000 records to find people with Google ad experience, to find people based in the Philippines who have been working customer service for two or three years. And that was that was huge. And we were, able to, we were able to implement that overnight thanks to Airtable. Now, we've since gotten rid of a lot of software and switched over to Airtable to use it for our CRM, for the candidate database like you talked about. We now use it for most of our forms across of our, our business. And we also use it for project management, which is sort of interesting. They have like a Trello-like feature in Airtable. So it's become this sort of like Swiss army knife in our business. Where does Airtable start to break down for you? Like, where do you see the limitations of it? It's hard to, for example, a great CRM or a common CRM, rather. Uh, one of the main things is you want to be able to quickly check in with clients and see see the status of where things are at and then either have a notification to your, to your inbox or wherever you're communicating with that client. That was one of the issues. You can add those in integrations, just a little bit limited. So essentially a marketing integration. Exactly. The marketing integration, integrations to our sites based on WordPress right now. It's talking about Dynamite Jobs specifically. It's hard to have integrations. So one thing we're working on with our dev team right now to post jobs through Airtable and put them right into our site. We're averaging almost 250 new jobs a week. It's about 230 new jobs. Instead of posting them on WordPress, we post them through Airtable. We just create the record for the job, put all the information in, including the, the logo, the, that file format, the text, the filters, all those different things, and then it gets sent to, to WordPress. So that's something it can't do right now. It takes more work to set that up. All right. Thanks, Alex. It's an interesting thing in our own business, Ian. We use it for our CRM. So we manage all of our Dynamite jobs and Dynamite Circle members. We use it to manage the status of job listings. We use it to create a searchable database of candidates. We've gotten rid of all of our specialty form software. We're even using it for project management. Maybe if you're looking for a custom piece of software and you don't really know where that function in your business is going to go in the future, check out if Airtable could be a solution for you. I will say this, though, about Airtable. You got to be careful about how much data you keep in there. I think a couple months ago, I looked, I like almost fell out of my chair at the bill. <laughs> I was like, wait a second, we could almost probably be paying for Salesforce at this level. So they're definitely charging for the functionality. And every software, they have different dimensions of price. So we took that number down because we were offering too many client logins, for example. So at a certain point, you're going to break your Airtable and decide to go with a custom solution that is going to be more efficient and affordable in a particular dimension. I'll say this, though. One of the interesting things about Airtable is the kind of creativity that can spark in you. So when you compare a traditional applicant tracking software, which is like really good at what it does, but it does this one thing that people have done in that direction for a certain amount of time. There's standards. Whereas you can mimic that functionality in your own Airtable and then get creative. And so we started doing really interesting things like searching the text of a resume, which is something that a traditional ATS didn't allow us to do for business information. It's a truly remarkable piece of software, Dan. I think it's probably one we're going to use for the next five years too. 
And like we mentioned, it is a great way to bootstrap yourself into potentially a much bigger piece of software or a much more expensive piece of software, you know, but to start on Airtable and like us, you might end up staying on Airtable for many things. So our second tech solution, as I mentioned earlier, Ian, is Zapier. It's one of those things like sharpening the tool sort of task. If you haven't taken a moment to take a step back and look at the sort of optimizations you can put into your business, Zapier is a great place to look. We use a lot of Zaps, for example, to create records. If you, if you have a CRM that you're working on, you could have client call records. So you could have Calendly Zap over to your Airtable. Or one of the, my favorite Zaps is when we see new sales come through into Slack. So we have one channel dedicated to sales of certain products. So we can stay motivated and also see the sorts of clients that are coming through. And again, Zapier is kind of like Airtable. It's like all of a sudden, you're like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if I got this information? Ooh, I, I want to port this over there. And then all of a sudden you get your bill and you're like, oh, wait, maybe I didn't need to know all that information. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's fair to say that everyone knows about our number three solution, Ian, which is Slack. Yeah, and Slack, Dan, I'll just mention this. It is hard for me to understand the lines between email and Slack, meaning our team uses Slack a lot. We used to use email exclusively before Slack, and now a lot of that conversation has moved over to Slack. At one point, about a year ago, we tried to move most of the company back to email. <laughs> uh, I don't think that was uh, super successful. So it's obvious that people kind of gravitate towards this more chitty-chatty situation that's going on in Slack with these threads that you can reply to and easily upload images and things like that. My problem is kind of the same problem that I have with email, which is I get behind because there's so much chitty chat going on over there. So I, Dan, personally would love to have a set of rules here in 2020. And I would like to know from other people how they use their Slack and their email together. Because for me, it just merges into one big conversation. I'd like a little bit more clarity on which should be used for what. Yeah. And right now, the rule we're rolling with, so to speak, is that basically... If you demand that someone sees it, aka if it's important, it goes into email. Whereas if it's more temporal and collaborative, it goes into Slack. But of course, the DMs almost instantly nullify that rule and, and are an exception to that. And I'm certainly guilty, Dan, of, of the chitty chat too. You know, it's like, oh, I, I have a half baked idea. Why don't I throw it into Slack? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know, because I wouldn't dare email that because that would be a huge waste of time if you open this email and I said, like, what do you think about this? But it's a appropriate place for it to be on Slack. And so that's, you know, there's there's a lot of noise there, which is kind of distracting. So, you know, again, Dan, I, I would love a little bit more clarity on how to minimize that. Yeah. And I think for a lot of us, we had this kind of love-hate relationship with it. And certainly now that we're all remote, it's difficult to imagine having a company without some kind of water cooler or DM capability in the middle of the day. For me, it's simply been about learning how to use Slack you know, having a different work attitude towards it. I get through my Slack first thing in the morning as fast as possible. And, you know, it's basically found a place in my productivity habits that, you know, I feel comfortable with. Whereas a year ago, I was still trying to figure all that out. One thing you're not going to hear on the rest of this list is any of these classic personal productivity apps. You know, you think of things like rescue time and things that sort of, you know, keep you strapped to your computer and stuff like that. I mean, I think as we spend more and more time doing business, I come around to what your perspective has always been, Ian, which is like, you know, if you need your team to log their hours and 
if you need to log yours, maybe the problem actually lies somewhere else. Right. All right. So our number four tool, Ian, is mint.com, a one-stop shop to manage all of your bank accounts, investments, outstanding liabilities, and your day-to-day spending. This is on your list. This is not on my list. I just want to be clear about that. But I do have some questions for you because I'm not a hater. I'm just not a user. So I logged into the software, geez, like back in, I don't know, 2010 or something like that. I thought it was going to be a complete solution for me. Here's what I found is that I have a bunch of interesting, weird, odd asset classes that did not fit into mint.com. Can you tell us a little bit about maybe if they've fixed that and how you use it? The principle and the reason I put mint.com on here is about financial simplicity. And at the end of the day, you make the money that you save at the end of the year. That is the bottom line for your personal finances. And and that's a critical part of this entrepreneurial journey. And having everything in a simple place that you can administrate effectively and ensure that that money gets to the bottom line is something every entrepreneur needs to be thinking about. And a lot of us don't. And some of the biggest money mistakes I've made since we've started this podcast had to do with over-complexifying this it made it more difficult to file my taxes. And so I got a little behind on the filing and then get a little bit of a problem because you're behind on your filing and it becomes a domino effect. Whereas I know you use a personal financial spreadsheet. And if you look at a solution like mint.com, it keeps it simple all in one place. That's the approach that really works for me. Now, in terms of strange asset classes, the way mint.com works you basically log in Mint into all of your financial institutions. It pulls all the, the data together. It's got a lot of cool features, like you can have spending alerts sent to your mobile. So if you only want to spend a certain amount of money every month on different categories of things, it'll help you keep track of all that and you know what gets measured, gets managed sort of thing. In terms of your net worth calculation, which is very useful, you can add strange asset classes. Like for example, I own a 2007 minivan which is uh, not a very profitable asset class, but a stable one nonetheless. (laughs) That exists down in the sidebar there as a separate entity that's not sort of attached to any like third-party valuation service. I just put in a number there and then that's reflected on my balance sheet. Oh, that's pretty cool because again, it was probably 10 years ago when I logged into that software. It didn't actually have that capability. It was just simple. Logic, which is essentially, you just want to create a personal balance sheet for yourself. The other simplicity platform I really want to bring up here in part to maybe spark a a debate and put it out there that one of the things I've really gotten into over the past few years, Ian, is an interest in investing in cryptocurrency, specifically Bitcoin. And so I wanted to make an investment and did a lot, a lot of research and drug my feet for way too long, by the way, (laughs) in retrospect. But um, I ultimately decided to use Coinbase. And Coinbase is a platform that is, you know, regulated by the government. Lots of, you know, people that have a lot of financial and banking experience help run the platform. And because of all those reasons, it has a lot of criticism from the crypto community as well. And it's also considered a liability. So not only do you have a highly volatile asset in Bitcoin, but also you have a potential platform risk in going with with Coinbase. This comes back to you know, this advice, the principle here, which is simplicity, which is this idea that I'm going to all of a sudden learn about keys and, and then manage them and have diversified solutions for what ultimately isn't life-changing money or whatever. 
things are going to be different in five years and maybe you misplaced a key and maybe this and that. And so for me, I made the choice to go 100% of my Bitcoin investment on Coinbase for this again, principle is like every new bank account I open, every new credit card I get, every new company we found, the complexity just scales. And complexity isn't a problem, but it has to scale with what your total administrative resources are. And for me personally, I don't have an accountant that works, sits next to me all day long. And so I think you know it makes sense to keep things simple until they, you really, really need to step up the complexity. Well, I'm going to stick with digging holes in my yard, but it doesn't sound like Coinbase is a bad idea. (laughs) I'd like to take a moment to talk about our very own remote jobs website, dynamitejobs.co. People are starting to catch on that remote hiring isn't just a luxury or something cool that tropical MBA folks talk about. It is a necessity. In fact, In mid-March, we saw job seeker traffic increase by 50%. Our inboxes have been overwhelmed by qualified candidates seeking to work for companies like yours. Now, we're working to help both sides of the aisle here. With candidates, we're sending out more recommended and targeted jobs, and we've recently launched a resume review service. For remote companies, we've recently launched a remote hiring guide and an application platform for reviewing candidates for your job listings. We've also allowed 100% of listeners of this podcast to post their first listing for free. And if you're looking to hire for an advanced technical or management role, we also have partnered with recruiters to help you get that done. Here's the reality for those of you looking to build your team or find your new normal There's never been more candidates out there on the market looking to work for companies like ours. Check us out over at dynamitejobs.co. Each job is 100% open, remote, and paid, aka remote jobs that don't suck. Let us help you grow your remote team, dynamitejobs.co. All right, our number five tech tool we use to run our business is Google Suite. It's interesting. We brought this up 10 years ago and it's still what we use to run today, which is a part of the reason I think it's it's worth mentioning. Now, I got to say, I'm really excited about Hey from the guys at 37 Signals because I have for a while thought that email is in some ways broken. But the reality is with a variety of different plugins and we use Gmail templates for our customer service team, I use keyboard shortcuts to move around incredibly fast in there. We use Boomerang to do things like send follow-up sequences or to remind you of appointments or things that you want to follow up on. Just absolutely can't beat it right now. So, Yeah, it's kind of still the cornerstone of the business. And it's almost one of these pieces of technology that's invisible. You just use it and you use it seamlessly for the most part across all devices. And it's just like, oh, let's look at this document. And of course, it's in Google Docs. Let's write an email. Of course, you do it in Gmail. And uh, of course, you're in the cPanel, you know, messing around with things. So it's one of these things that's it's been around since uh, forever, and we've used it forever. It would not surprise me if we used it for the next 10 years. But I am also interested to log into Hey and see what has changed with email. Well, and I'll tell you what, I was there, man, when it was like the first month of Gmail. I was signed in and I remember how shiny those walls looked and the opportunity that it brought to the table. And it was a big deal. And I wonder sometimes, are we going to look at email 
like an outdated technology in 10 years or, or 20. And it wouldn't surprise me at all. We're all using, you know, what are instant messaging platforms on all of our devices now, and they've become incredibly useful, not only for interacting with team members and friends and family, but also with customers. And, you know, you wonder about, you know, the kind of marketing dogma 10 years ago was email capture. And we're seeing a lot of people, you know, run very sophisticated things through things like Facebook Messenger. It's definitely... uh Something I think I've been a little emotionally resistant to is this kind of like text message culture, but I think that's the way business is going to get done in the future. Hey man, that's just because you're old and we'll see if this becomes true, but it could be the case that we're all using Gmail for our spam email (laughs) two or three years from now. All right. Number six, boss man, we got to say it, hrefs, that's A-H-R-E-F-S. Actually, former sponsor of the show. I mean, if you would have showed me Hrefs in 2007 when we started our first business, it would have been such an enormous, enormous competitive advantage. And it, it simply wasn't possible back then to build such a stunningly powerful piece of software. But essentially, Hrefs is sort of your home base for SEO knowledge about you know where your site is ranking, where it's getting links and how it can improve those rankings. And also where your competition stands against you as well. It's a very comprehensive dashboard. It's a way to track your keywords. It's a way to track your competition. Very powerful, I'd say, because a lot of this information, it just isn't given in Google Analytics, of course. You have to go out and you have to buy a piece of software that is able to interpret that kind of information that Google isn't giving you. And so we use this on a daily basis. All right, boss man, on to number seven, which is Grammarly. And also for those of you who are writers, maybe Hemingway app. Let me quote one of our team members, boss man. She writes, as a non-English native speaker, this is my everyday savior. It helps me tons with my grammar and spelling, and it definitely makes my work faster when either I write emails or create jobs over at Dynamite Jobs. It's Plus, it's very easy to install and activate, and it actually helped me to write this. Grammarly and, and Hemingway app are diagnostic tools to basically help you write better. Not only is this cool, because the reality is so much of online business revolves around writing. What's interesting about this for me is not only sort of refining those marketing materials or content that you have, but in the case of staff members that aren't primarily English speakers, but they're incredibly fluent, like that gap between language fluency and then coming across as a native English speaker in emails, there's a long learning curve between those two things. Between those two things, there's a big opportunity to hire staff from all around the world. And if you're like me, Dan, and you went to college and you still don't know the proper place to put a comma, I mean, here you are. <laughs> it's been solved. So I can actually sound like I'm a native English speaker, which from time to time, it, it, you might get the sense that I am not. It's funny. Uh, our podcast sound engineer, Arison, gave us a shout out and he said, hey, you can, did you know in Grammarly, you can add specific words to your own custom dictionary? 
i.e. Dan and Ian-isms. <laughs> There's plenty of those. It's like Bala is, it, is approved. <laughs> you know, Gmail has now started to complete your sentences for you when you're composing an email. So everybody can sound like they're the same person writing the email. <laughs> Although it does save some time. I mean, I, I'll revert to it from time to time, mostly because it saves me time, actually. So I don't have to type it. I'm just like, yeah, fine. That's that's good enough. But it, it's going to be interesting to see like what the, the fallout of all this is going to be a couple of years from now. Like, Is everybody just going to sound the same or what's going to happen? A related tip, Ian, that our team tossed in the document was that they do leverage Gmail templates quite a bit. So that's another way where you can work up all different kinds of template emails and collaborate on them and then just pull them up really quick in Gmail. So quick tip there. All right, moving on to number eight. This is an app called Otter. Shout out to producer Jane for this suggestion. Otter is a remarkable piece of transcription software that offers you speech to text, or you can upload a file, and in very, very short order, it will give you a reasonable transcription of what that audio is. My sense is it's probably similar to what's happening when you look at closed caption on YouTube videos. You know, it's not perfect like going to rev.com and getting that perfect transcript, but it's quick. It's super affordable. They have an amazing free plan. And now you might say, okay, well, you know, Dan, I don't have a podcast. What's the point of a transcript? Well, there's two interesting use cases. And one I want to give a, a shout out to a, a DC member, Nabil, who made a really amazing write-up talking about how Otter is making his life better because he's able to participate in online meetups, webinars, and summits because he can get these fast transcriptions of what's going on. And you failed to mention that Nabil is deaf, and actually that's the, that's the reason why. That's right. And so these kinds of technologies are opening up information to all different kinds of people. So that's really cool. Also, you could say, you know, some people have physical limitations, others have time. So if you make video or audio content, but a lot of potential prospects don't want to listen to your podcast, providing them with a quick and easy transcript could be a really interesting marketing avenue. Yeah, many years ago, somebody asked us, can you guys provide a transcript for the podcast? And at the time, it was super expensive. And then through the years, more and more people have asked. And so eventually, we started doing transcripts. And those are available at tropicalmba.com. But here's the thing. For a long time, we used Rev. And Rev would cost literally hundreds to hundreds of dollars every episode. And the real reason we were doing transcripts in the beginning was actually for our editing process. Producer Jane brought this to our internal process, basically, where we record the podcast, we get a transcript of it, and then she reads through the transcript and shuffles through, organizes it in a way that our sound producer, Arison, can kind of chop it up. So super expensive process, but super valuable for us. So now, of course, the costs are being driven down and kind of good enough is, is almost fine for what we're doing in terms of these transcripts in the way that we're producing our show. And I would imagine too, Dan, that just, you know, this is the way all this stuff kind of goes is like the cost gets driven down and the quality is okay at first. And then eventually the quality will start to come back up. So 
For us, it's okay if we miss a word or two. For some people, I realize it's essential and you can continue to use something like Rev, but there's a lot of other services available now. Yeah, and shout out to Rev for just being a really amazing business as well. And they sub out their work to a community of distributed workforce across the world as well in order to create those transcripts. So pretty cool there. All right, number nine, better touch tool. You got on my ass the other day about not having better touch tool. I had my laptop hooked up to the TV and it was like shuffling around windows, minimizing all this stuff. You're like, dude, come on, 2020, man, better touch tool. Sometimes you don't know somebody until you watch them operate a laptop. Sometimes, Ian, you're looking over the shoulder of someone from a different generation and you watch them like double click on everything when a double click is not always warranted. <laughs> and it's like, you didn't get the single click memo on this. And and now there's all kinds of tools that help us to move around our computers faster. And for me, like I don't consider myself a tech nerd. And so I've only recently started to get hip to the value of speeding up my process when I'm moving around my computer, learning things like keyboard shortcuts, setting up macros in pieces of software like Better Touch Tool. And I'll tell you that the killer app here, the killer feature is being able to minimize, maximize, resize, and move around various windows on your computer. If you're not doing side-by-sides on your laptop or on your large monitor, the reality is you are working slower. And if you've got two and a half hours of really good attention a day, for some of us it's 45 minutes, or even if it's four hours, we're not talking about a lot of time here. So if you can save something like 15 minutes a day, that is not insignificant and it adds up. And the cool thing is, is things like Gmail shortcuts and better touch tool. You only got to sit down for 15 minutes, pull up a YouTube video about how to best use them on your computer. And while you're at it, speed up your mouse speed to it the fastest it possibly can go. It'll feel weird for like five minutes. You'll readjust quickly and you'll just be a faster computer user. You'll get more done during those windows that you have time to get things done. So there you go. I think the argument for me, Dan, is, you know, invest in like these shortcuts on the operating system and the tools that you use all the time, like Gmail and Mac OS and things like that. This is just a general concern that I have as somebody that's aging, which is like, I can't always just pay attention to the newest, greatest thing. But something that's going to help me boost my productivity and something that I use every day, like my operating system, that makes a lot of sense to me. Totally. And again, I understand that people roll their eyes at stuff like this because I do too about tech tips like this. But I agree with you. We're on this stuff every day and the stuff that matters is getting done here. That's the bottom line. All right, our number 10 tech tip is ExpressVPN. Because, of course, we all need to access Netflix from foreign countries. <laughs> this is, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is how we watched the Jordan documentary early, right? It's like uh, just log into uh, the UK, and then all of a sudden now I can watch the Jordan documentary. Honestly, I use a VPN all the time, especially when I'm on like public Wi Fi and traveling. I've used many of them throughout the years. And ExpressVPN is one of the ones that I've found to be the most useful because it's fast and it always connects. So it's my problem in the in the past is, you know, these uh, access points that don't always work and you end up shuffling through like 20 of them to get one that finally works and has a decent speed. Yeah. ExpressVPN, <laughs> it works all the time, every time, and it's super cheap. Oh, he's so handsome. What's his name? 
We hope you enjoyed that one. And did you notice my uh, by no means untypical mispronunciation? Fun fact, my buddies from high school, they're smart cats. And one of their pejorative nicknames for me is Malapropism Dan, because I tend to just say words the way that sounds cool to me. And you tell me what you think. What's cooler, Zapier or Zapier? (laughs) I know Zapier makes more sense and it's the right way to do it. But damn, if Zapier doesn't sound like a cool ass word, (laughs) I'd say, you know, do whatever makes you happier. Of course, we'd love to hear your top tech tips. What did we miss? Drop it in the comments. Drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, we will be back next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.